The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Okay, the Feast of what? St. Peter? The Feast of the Chair of St. Peter. Okay, yeah. It's, yeah. It's significant. In St. Peter's Cathedral, there's a chair, you know, like hang. It's like, I say, that sounds weird, right? There's a chair hanging up on the wall in the back, you know. It's like, it's like the least reverential way to sit, to talk about the, you know, the decoration of it. The, um, <laughs> the, anyway, there's a chair. There is a chair. Uh, on the back wall, I don't know, what is it, the wall of the apps or something, I don't know, okay, anyway, so we're celebrating that chair, we're going to celebrate that chair today. That chair is, chair is a um, place of authority, do you know, the, the cathedra is the, do I do say the cathedral, the cathedra, that's a, that's a chair, right, so this is a, the place of authority of St. Peter, and it's, and it's right that, um, it's right for us to celebrate it. It's right for us to celebrate the seat of, of authority of St. Peter and um, the fact that that seat does not go unoccupied, right? The, the fact that Jesus provides for his church someone to sit in that seat, someone to, someone to govern uh, his, his church um, and, and lead her and guide her and uh, through, uh, through always, can I say, through troubled waters. Yeah, I mean, like, it, uh, there's always troubled waters. And, it, and if they're not troubled waters around here, you know, we can think of the significance of, of the universal church and all the many different, um, say, uh, regional or, or national uh, places where, where the church has taken root and is growing. The fact that that's, um, it's quite a big job, right? It's quite a big job. Um, and yet, uh, and, and no matter what, no matter what else we say about uh, about Saint Peter, about about the chair, about the authority that Jesus has given uh, to the uh, the Pope, the leader of his church, um, it's ours. It's ours to say that the whole thing is grounded in in this particular gospel passage. That is to say, the whole thing is grounded in Saint Peter's confession of faith. Yeah, why is why is Saint Peter who he is? Why why is uh, why does the chair of Saint Peter go? Um, it, it does not go unoccupied. Why, right? Why is it always occupied? Why is why do we always have this governing uh, force, this teaching, governing, sanctifying power in the church that Jesus has has given into that particular position? Uh, it's because Saint Peter knows who Jesus is. That's what that's what it is. And so and and it's. Say, if you want to take it a step beyond that, right? Because actually, probably by this point in the gospel passage, doesn't quite get who Jesus is anyway. So there's this sense of, 
Okay, he, St. Peter, first and foremost, is willing to give allegiance to Jesus as the Messiah, right, as the King of the Jews. So he's, so Peter is the one who gives allegiance to Jesus. And this is, this is what matters uh, most, of course, uh, for, the, for the teaching and governing and sanctifying of the church. Very significant uh, for us as well. I can, like as I read through the passage, I think, okay, who do, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Okay, so Jesus is being a bit oblique here, okay? He says, because he's talking about himself, of course, right? But who do people say the Son of Man is? And then they say, they, they respond. Some say John the Baptist, so others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. I think this is pretty significant for us for, because for someone to get that impression of Jesus, he's probably a good bit wilder than we otherwise imagine. Right? And if you, don't, if you don't quite get that, then we should spend more time probably in the prophets. Right? I mean, we know John the Baptist. That's, the guy's wild. <laughs> the guy's a wild figure. Okay? Uh, when we get, enough, we get enough looks at him. Elijah? Jeremiah? I mean, so anyway, we could say, if I, if I want to make it less, if I want to tame it for you, right? Make, I'll domesticate it a little bit for you. We're not ready to see Jesus as like the, the wild man that he is. Um, then I think it's enough to say, okay, he's at least speaking truth to power, right? He's at least taking on uh, injustice and wickedness in the high places, right? And he's, he's then challenging them just as the prophets of old would challenge the people who had power because they were not exer- ex- uh, exercising it the way that God intended them to, okay? So that's, I think, part of it. But I think I want to add a little bit more and say something like this. It, it seems as though for me, I think, we're, I think we're quite blessed to see any number of um, dramatic interpretations of Jesus and, and the life of Jesus today. You know that I favor The Chosen, uh, but there are any number of other movies and productions uh, and the rest that have, that have been around in our day that I think help stir our imaginations in any number of ways and, uh, and are quite positive. If, if we can be positive people, then we can engage them with some positivity and say, okay, yeah, like I, I kind of... I'm able to reimagine the thing or imagine it better or with more depth through those, through those things. And I would say, this is nothing new, is it? When, when we say, when, when you hear people around saying, oh, I really love this one. And then you have other people say, I really hate this one. And I, now the, the hatred part is a bit rough, but they say, I, you know, I, I don't like this because blah, 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 blah. Okay. Everybody having a different impression of Jesus is not, is clearly not a new thing, right? So people are, uh, I don't want to say people are entitled to their opinion because I actually don't believe that. But it's like you're, you're subjectively, I'm not going. I'm okay with someone as they are. Okay, so I'll leave it. I'll leave it like that. But there, some of those, some of the productions are actually quite faithful. The Chosen is actually a pretty faithful production of, and we can argue about that, you know, ad nauseum some other time. But anyway, people have their, you know, you're this, you're that, you're that. Okay. See how, it, see how it doesn't matter in the next move between Jesus and Peter, right? Because he says, okay, who do you say that I am? There's one response, and it's from Peter. And now this is going to be our response in communion with Peter, okay? As a people of faith, the body of Christ, and, and the rest, our response is going to be with Peter. You are the Christ, you're the Christ. You're the Son of the Living God. Okay. And what does what does he mean by that? I'm I'm giving it I'm giving it to you straight. Okay. 
and very strict. By this point in the by this point in the gospel, he is not saying Jesus is the second person of the Holy Trinity. He's not. He's not making it. It's not a declaration of say divinity. It's not. Okay. It's a declaration of Jesus' being God's anointed king. And that, that's enough there, and that's enough for us as well. It's actually more than enough. Many of, us, many of us feel it as like more than enough because actually what it means is that Jesus is king, I must follow him. That's it, right? Jesus is king, I have to trust and follow him in all things. It's that simple. It really is. Because here... The, the second half of the, of the gospel is going to be about what his kingship looks like. So we haven't even seen that. Jesus is going to work to, to shape that in the rest for St. Peter and the, and the band of brothers, right? He's going he's he's to do that for them to bring them, to bring them along and get them aiming in the right direction and all that kind of stuff. This is the same for us. We, we need to have it reshaped. So to some extent, it doesn't, it doesn't exactly matter what, this, what your view of, of Jesus is, here, there, the other place, whatever. He is, he is the king. Right? He is your king. And you ought to get direction from him. You ought to receive from him every good gift that he's offering you. Right? He's breathing his spirit into you. He's feeding you with his body and blood. Yeah, he's, he's animating you to sustain you in the great purpose of God. Okay, so let me say, it, it, does, it does matter what your view of Jesus is. Because, of course, some of them conduce to reality and some of them don't. Okay, but I don't want to spend tons of time on that. What I want to move, want to do, is move into the next part of the passage. Okay, so we see he's talking about him, and then his Jesus is talking about himself and his church as being built on the rock. Okay, and it, we this is not the okay. So he has in his mind the rocky heights of Zion, right? So we have. We have Jerusalem, and we have the holy city, we have the temple. And in, in a, uh, a first century Jewish understanding, one of probably some, not many, but the temple was the place where heaven and earth come together. And it's the place where um, the gates of the netherworld are located. Okay, so it's not without context that Jesus says this to Peter. You are Peter, which means rocky, something like that. And upon this rock, I will build my church, right? I will gather those. I will call out from the many my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. So what, what is it? It's a new temple. We're a new temple, okay? So then, so then this is why I say, okay, our impressions of Jesus, whatever, no, we, we're following him, we're, we're trusting him, we're following him in a, partic in a particular task, right? It's, it's the restoration of the entire world through the renewal of his people. And the renewal of his people is affected by our giving allegiance to him and following him then faithfully. So this is, what, this is what this whole passage is about. And when we follow him faithfully, we then are the place, we, you are the place where heaven and earth comes together. You, we are the place where the, the gates of the netherworld will not prevail against. Right? So we, we, are, we have to be that place. Can you be the place where you know, the, the gates of the netherworld, where, where hell will not prevail 
against not not just us but but everybody right can we can we be the can we be the firewall against the powers of hell that's what we're tasked with being yeah it's a massive massive task for us okay but how do, how do we do that we do it by living the new temple life we do it by living the life of Jesus that he leads us in empowers us to be and the rest which is that we have to be the we have to be the people first and foremost that give everything we have and everything we are to God in praise. We have to be a people of praise. And then we're renewed by our dedication to God. We're renewed by our, our praise, our love of him, to bring his life and the power of heaven to birth here on earth. This, this, is, the this is the new temple task. And we are going to follow Jesus there in faith. He's, he's the one who makes it possible. He's the one who empowers us to do it. So we make that first act of entrusting ourselves to him in our dedicated offering here, here in the Mass, especially probably in your morning prayer and, and the rest. We give ourselves over to him. We entrust ourselves to him. And then having given ourselves to him whole and entire, having, having claimed him as our king, we're then ready to follow him wherever he leads. Just have to remember that it's also how he leads. He's always going to lead us. In charity, he always wants us to be inspired by the life of heaven, by God's own breath. Right? We remember that. That's already, uh, that's already Pentecost. I don't want to get to that point. But, you know, is we're inspired by God's own breath to be about his, his work in the world. So that's, again, the pattern of our life today. And trusting and following Jesus, it can be so.